0: hard and Dominic Steele, and thanks for joining us. And today, Sydney Archbishop Kanishka Raffel. We are talking about the future. A key moment in the life of any network of churches is when they get together for their synod or assembly at the gathering of the leaders of the network. And next weekend, there was supposed to be, next weekend and the following week, there was supposed to be a synod in Sydney. It would have been Archbishop Raffel's first synod, and it was postponed from September through to March because of Delta, and then postponed, well, cancelled really because of Omicron and um, Kanishka thanks for coming in. Nice to be with you Dominic. <laughs> there was a hope that you would be addressing the whole of the Sydney Diocese next Saturday or the yeah. whole of the Synod of the Sydney Diocese yeah. in the Greenfields. Yeah.
1: Yes uh, we're very disappointed that we're not going to be there. Um, I think it uh, it was promising to be um, a, a tremendous moment of gathering together after so much time of not being able to gather Uh, um, synods delayed and what have you and to do that with a specific uh, focus and a physical a very physical reminder um, that Sydney is expanding and growing that there are rolling paddocks and fields where within a few years there will be thousands of people living and there is a tremendous uh, um, call upon us to ensure that there is Uh, Anglican ministry in those places. Uh, And there's nothing like seeing it uh, to imagine what God wants to do amongst
0: the people who are going to live there. Mm, So that postponement that's just happened or cancellation of the March Synod next weekend and the following weeks, um, the Synod in the Greenfield still on in September? Uh, We very much hope it will be. Uh, That's our plan at the
1: moment, um, because we do want people to get out there and just see it with their own eyes. Uh, I did this in uh, um earlier on uh, as we were planning for this event and um we took a bus tour which was over an hour <laughs> driving in the uh, areas around Oran Park uh, Bradfield the new area trop- aerotropolis um those areas uh, and it is quite mind-boggling to think uh you can see the land that is going to become communities um and the uh, the government is producing uh, projections of hundreds of thousands of people living in those areas within 20 years. Um, Multiple hundreds of percentage points increases on where they are now. So it's a tremendous opportunity and it's a tremendous responsibility. Uh, And it's been our pattern um, in the Sydney Anglican Diocese uh, to seize moments like this. It's been done before uh, as new areas in Sydney have opened up um, and, uh, we have to do this together. Um, we have to do it as a diocese. We have to do it as a fellowship of Sydney Anglicans because it, it, there's nobody there. Mm. Uh, so we have to do it. We have to see what's coming and make a response. Um, and the opportunity to do that, out at Oran Park, I spent the day there. Uh, there's a uh, there's Oran Park Anglican, terrific ministry with Stuart Starr and his team. There's uh, Orrin Park Anglican College, with the uh, Principal Naomi Wilkins and her team. Um, there's the Oren Park Anglicare Village. They're actually in lines of sight of each other, and you have these three uh, facets of ministry straight into the community, mutually enriching one another and bringing the gospel uh, to people who simply have not encountered it, never heard of the Anglican mm-hmm. Church, many of them, um, and uh, in serving their families in serving the community, in proclaiming the gospel, uh, in um, being part of a community coming into existence and the gospel is right in the middle of it. It's
0: tremendously exciting. Mm. I hope we'll see it many times over. And, I mean, it's all very well to go to um, Oran Park or go to the southwest, yeah. go for Synod in the Greenfields, but I'm imagining uh, you and others are cooking up proposals to <laughs> let's try and do something significant there? Sure.
1: Well, the Standing Committee certainly will be bringing to uh, the Synod um, proposals for acquiring land and things like that, uh, and uh, we'll need to think that through. We'll need to think about it in creative and generous ways. Um, we, uh, uh, we've got limited resources and endless opportunities, so we need to think strategically, we need to think creatively, and we need to recognise that we've been entrusted with many resources uh, and um, they're not, as it
0: were, strategically distributed. Most of those resources are east of Strathfield.
1: Indeed, they are.
0: <laughs> That's and right. T- t- <laughs> it's going to require generosity from those of us east of Strathfield. To-
1: That's right. And we as a diocese, we've been marked by gospel generosity mm-hmm. uh, over, over many, uh, uh, through many challenges and over many years, and especially in response to this kind of um, opportunity for planting the gospel in new communities. Uh, and uh, so I'm looking forward to the Synod engaging with that uh, and with um, congregations uh, and others, thinking about how can we use our resources, maybe not in our area, um, uh, but in another area to mm-hmm. bless a future generation, a church that is yet to be planted, a community that is yet to be established.
0: Uh, I think we'll respond to that well. Mm-hmm. Now, on the subject of new communities and reaching new communities, mm. I, I know deeply on your heart is both the Indigenous community and the multicultural community. Mm. Um, let's go Indigenous first. It was we just sure. lovely last weekend at yeah. the uh, Deacon's Ordination seeing that young girl yes. giving such an authentically, deeply Christian welcome to country. Actually, yeah. why don't we just play that and then get you sure. to reflect? Yeah. <laughs>
2: Good morning. Lovely to see you all on this beautiful morning. Uh, so I've just shared a greeting in Gumbengi, explaining who I am and asking God to be good to you all. My name is Tori Duckett, and I'm a proud Dungari and Wiradjuri woman born and raised in Campbelltown. I'm here today to share an acknowledgement of country. First, I would like to share with you a few points as to why it is important to do Acknowledgement of Country. One, it shows respect to our culture that has been practised for many generations. Two, we want to continue to practise our culture in a way that honours those who cared for the land. We also want to acknowledge and thank God for allowing our people to be carers of this land. Today, we would like to show our respects to the custodians of this land we stand upon today. We thank God for all of his creation and acknowledge the Aboriginal people who have been the custodians and carers of this land under God for many generations. We pay our respects to their families, elders, both past and present, and we thank God for his blessing upon this land. May we walk upon this land with respect so that God will be glorified and justice and equity may be shared between all people groups here today.
0: It was a lovely moment.
1: Yes, it certainly was. Well, that was Tory Duckett speaking, who is the daughter of Michael Duckett, who was ordained in that service. Uh, but Michael has been pastoring uh, the MacArthur Indigenous Church in partnership with Campbelltown Anglican for 14 years uh, he's well known to us. He's trusted a faithful servant, just a joy to be able to ordain him and to welcome his mob to come and celebrate <laughs> uh, within the COVID restrictions um, that uh, recognition of the way God has used him. He's the chair of our Sydney Anglican Indigenous Peoples Ministry Committee uh, and, uh, yeah, tremendous to have Tory. And Uncle Tom was there alongside her um, to reflect uh, something which is so important um, both to uh, uh, Christian people and especially to Indigenous people, that sense of the generations passing, passing on the faith. Mm. Um, and so that was wonderfully
0: represented in that moment. It was, very, it was a great privilege to be there. It, what I thought was so nice about it was that it wasn't just, it, it, it in no way felt lip service. It felt here no. was a really authentic, this was us mm. attempting to love and care for some of us. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Dominic. You know, we've got a lot to learn.
1: The Synod will receive um, the report of the Indigenous Ministry Task Force, uh, and um, uh, I'm looking forward to meeting the, uh, uh, the uh, committee that uh, Michael chairs soon. We've been trying to organise a time through COVID and all of that. Um, but uh, it does represent, I think, a very open, positive desire to move forward together um, and uh, I'm excited about it. the Synod will receive the Doctrine Commission report on the Theology of Reconciliation, especially as it applies to Indigenous ministry. Uh, these are actually very significant, mm. uh, very important steps, small steps uh, on a long journey, but one which is full of hope, mm. uh, full of grace, uh, especially on the part of so many of our Christian Indigenous brothers and mm. sisters.
0: What I thought was a little a step towards our denomination having a less anglo face and a more indigenous face Mm -hmm. but also you've got deeply on your heart a more multicultural face yes absolutely i think it's one of the
1: things that is very encouraging about uh the ministry our ministry of sydney anglicans in uh, sydney um, is that we are increasingly reflecting the multicultural character of the city uh, and we are thinking carefully about how to do that um it's, it's quite an adjustment to make. Mm-hmm. And there are plenty of churches around that don't exactly reflect their own demographic of their local community. But I think every church is concerned about that. Um, 30% of uh, people in Australia are born overseas. Um, in Sydney, that's higher. Uh, um, England has recently been, only recently, uh, been replaced as the as the country, the other country from which people are migrating. Mm -hmm. India and China are now ahead of that Mm -hmm. or equal. Um, In some of these growth areas that we've been talking about, in the northwest and in the southwest, uh, there are especially um, uh, the expectation that there will be large populations from the subcontinent, from Southeast Asia, uh, from China, from the Middle East. Um, And again, these will be new communities for many people in a new country Uh, people who often come from um, a country that has a kind of religious Mm worldview where people recognise and accept the importance and place of religion in daily life. Uh, And so there's a great opportunity with the nations, uh, as as we so often
0: say, the nations coming to Sydney. So what levers can we pull? Um, Do we set targets for um, ordinations, for... um, uh Multicultural faces. Do we um, do we decide? Let's make our ordination services look less like the nineteenth century and more like modern <laughs> multicultural Australia. What, I, I, I see targets? you climbing on a hobby horse, What, what targets <laughs> do we put? What levers do we pull? <laughs>
1: um, uh, look. Uh, I think, uh, as you know, the um, senior staff of the diocese, the Episcopal to the, the team of bishops, um, reflects the multicultural character uh, of they the do, diocese, which is great. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think I think it's pretty uh, unusual to mm. see that. Uh, and so there is targeted and specific thinking at different levels, at parish levels and at uh, senior levels and what have you, um, about uh, how we do this. Certainly, recruiting. Um, Uh, the children of migrants and migrants into Mm -hmm. ministry training. Uh, Of course, that's happening in a big way at some of the universities. Uh, It often represents a challenge to, if you like, the classic migrant aspiration. Mm -hmm. People come to Australia so that their children will live a more prosperous life. But as those children encounter the gospel and are grasped by a vision of the glory of jesus and the urgency of gospel proclamation and the beauty of knowing god as father through faith in jesus those children are being captured by jesus for his mission uh, as they grow into uh, into adulthood and we absolutely want to be alongside them
0: mm. um national church um Uh, We have in the National Church of Australia at the moment, uh, some saying they want to remain faithful to the scriptures uh, and explicitly on the issue of biblical marriage. Mm -hmm. And on another side, really, who are abandoning the scriptures. Um, I was watching a movie last night on one of the streaming services. It was about um, a couple in lockdown who had decided to split up, but they were trapped in the same house for the duration of lockdown. And I only got 15 (laughs) minutes into the movie before um, I went to bed. Um, So I don't know how the movie finished. But as I was watching this first 15 minutes of this movie, it felt like a parable for the National Anglican Church to me. (laughs) And um, we don't believe the same things, we don't believe the same Lord, and yet we feel uncomfortably stuck in the same house. Is that a fair analogy? Uh, Well, there are some important uh, national church meetings um, this year.
1: There'll be a National Bishops' Conference in March, and that'll be followed by uh, the General Synod, uh, the meeting of the sort of National Anglican Parliament. Um, uh, And it will certainly be turning its mind, both of those meetings will turn their minds uh, to the nature of our fellowship. I do think that recent developments have put that fellowship under tremendous strain um and uh i think uh the history of uh, the history of national anglican fellowship uh, the development of our constitution, which came much later than the Commonwealth Constitution. Mm. Um, you know, the conversation started at about the same time in the 1850s. Uh, the nation came together in uh, 1900 and the Anglican Church took till 1962. Uh, and in one sense, it's still, you know, it's a project that is uh, still evolving. I think it's under more pressure now than it ever has been. Um, and uh, I think it will be... Uh, uh, certainly it 's a matter for prayer um, and concern. Um, the uh, opportunity that is provided by the Anglican Church structure nationally uh, to minister to Australia uh, is something very precious and important um, but of course it's it's of little use uh, if the structure is separated from a clear articulation of the biblical gospel. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and uh, so uh, we will certainly be making that case in those kind of meetings. So for those who haven't been following this as closely, I'm taking it the two things that you're identifying as having put the, the structure under strain are mm. uh, the appellate tribunal decision mm. and the recent um, actions by the Bishop of Wangaratta and the, the blessing of a same-sex union. Uh,
1: yes, that's true. And the General Synod will have the it, – it will only have its first opportunity – Uh, to um, consider the uh, appellate tribunal decision, um, which appears to have put us in a very uh, difficult position and one which it is hard to imagine the framers of the Constitution envisaging uh, because the Constitution goes to some length to say that although revisions and variations are permitted in various ways, they must be consistent with the Constitution, which affirms the primacy of Scripture as the ultimate rule and standard of faith. Uh, And yet uh, it appears that uh, following the appellate tribunal decision, um, there are practices being endorsed and being undertaken, uh, which are unbiblical, but said to be not unconstitutional. I don't think that's a tension with which we can easily
0: live. Uh, So I do think there's a very serious issue there. So what happens at General senate? (laughs) <laughs> well, well, a, mo- a series <laughs> of motions are going to be put yes. saying we affirm particular beliefs. And I guess those that's motions correct. will either that's be voted up so, or down. That's correct.
1: So the uh, General Synod will be invited to make statements uh, about um, our understanding of uh, um, biblical sexual ethics. And, uh, um, and those statements, if they are made by the General Synod, will stand really in opposition or in contradistinction to what appears to be legitimised by the appellate tribunal decision.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and Which it, is what the appellate tribunal said, that it is for the General Synod to express its mind on these issues.
0: Right. So we come to a moment where the General Synod expresses its mind and uh, either the General Synod will vote for biblical orthodoxy yep. or against biblical orthodoxy. Yes. Yes. yes, and I'm hoping and praying very much and working very hard to see that it votes for it. How confident are you feeling? Uh,
1: Well, of course, I'm confident in the goodness and sovereignty and faithfulness of God. So I'm confident that uh, God will build his church in Australia. I'm prayerful that he will continue to use the Anglican church as an instrument for that purpose. Um, That's uh, obviously what I uh, want to see, what I'm praying Mm -hmm. for and what I'm uh, working towards. Um, uh, I I can't make any... uh, you know, I think the General Synod has to meet. It has to have its debates and discussions, um, and votes will be taken. Uh, it has, in the past, um, unfailingly and overwhelmingly affirmed the biblical doctrine of marriage.
0: Uh, so it would be surprising and out of step for it not to do so again. Mm. Well, our prayers are with you, and it's a difficult, uh, a difficult thing you've got ahead of you. It is difficult, but we have a we have a good God, and we and uh, we. Uh, Uh, We're going to go into that process in a prayerful and open way. Mm, The cultural moment. Mm. Um, It was a bruising week for Christians in the Parliament a fortnight ago uh, with the religious freedom legislation. Um, Firstly, just how are you caring for transgender and gay students in Anglican schools in Sydney? Um, Dominic, I feel very confident uh, that Anglican schools in Sydney
1: are uh, uh, offering the very best pastoral care that they can to children who identify as trans uh, or uh, LGBT, um, uh, and I really don't have any—I I don't have any reservation or doubt about that. So it was extremely frustrating and disappointing. And to see the in the media uh, the discussion about uh, a bill to protect um, religious expression um, be uh, in a sense um, derailed uh, we know from um, Jewish communities and from Islamic communities that uh, anti-religious um, activity and uh, you know, discrimination is rising uh, because they're telling us that that is so. Uh, we know that in New South Wales there is no protection for a person who is told that they can't rent an apartment because they're Muslim, mm-hmm. or somebody who is refused service in a in a cafe because they are Jewish or, for that matter, Christian, which has surprisingly also happened. Um, so, uh, so you know, very. <laughs> real situations of discrimination are taking place these communities are not protected and um despite the fact that both parties say they support this principle uh that bill didn't pass and uh i think that's uh, very much to be regretted Mm
0: -hmm.
1: what do you hope will happen pray will happen uh well (laughs) uh of course, we want to pray big, so <laughs> we do pray um, that these very basic rights—I mean, the United Nations charters—describe uh, these as very fundamental and basic right: the, the freedom of thought, freedom of association, freedom of worship, um, and it's—it's it's, you know uh, virtually the only unprotected attribute. Uh, we have all kinds of anti-discrimination legislation in our country, which protects various. Um, Uh, people in various kinds of groups Um, but we don't have it uh, um, uh, at the Commonwealth level and in some of the states uh, in relation to religious um, freedom so I'm hoping that that will happen but it's but (laughs) politically it's a bit hard to see how that where how that is going to develop Mm. uh, with an election looming and so on. Mm. The job the role of Archbishop (laughs) how are you finding it? (laughs) Well, I feel like I've started again uh, because um, uh, uh, after I was elected, of course, we had the COVID lockdown and so everything seemed very unreal. Um, But uh, this year I've begun to be able to get out and meet people. And I must say, I'm really enjoying that. It is very humbling and encouraging to travel around, uh, to visit churches, to visit schools and agencies, to see what is being done in the name of Jesus, uh, uh, to hear Um, how people are coming to faith, uh, how they are growing to faith, how they are serving the Lord um, in their communities, in their workplaces and schools and um, uh, wherever the Lord may have placed them. And to have a sense that uh, this is actually um, not a kind of isolated pocket, Mm -hmm. but a a fellowship that extends across our diocese, that's tremendously encouraging. And And I'm glad to say so because it's just been so hard. Mm. Um, you know, if I was making a, a, an address to the synod, I just want to say how thankful I am for the hard work of, uh, rectors and ministry teams and lay leaders in churches who have kept up with, um, uh, each other, with their communities, with, um, proclaiming the gospel, making sure that people are receiving the word. We don't live by bread alone, but by by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, it's been such an important time for people to be able to have the encouragement of the word in preaching, in uh, uh, Bible studies, in online prayer meetings or whatever it was. And so many churches um, just making connections and individuals within churches making connections in their streets, in their communities, looking after their neighbours, as others people were doing as well, and um, and I just wanted to say thank you, <laughs> thank you for pursuing discipleship. I mean, under under these conditions of COVID and you know under pressure, it's very easy just to turn inward, to turn off to others. But in church after church after church, in our schools, uh, across our agencies, people have given so much to make sure that people are blessed by the gospel of the Mm. Lord Jesus, reminded of the promises of God, experiencing the love of Christ in word and deed. That is just beautiful. Mm. And people have been doing it, uh, you know, (laughs) we're into round three now. Mm. It's just so hard, but it's so important, and I'm very, very grateful for it. Mm. What are you particularly looking forward to the next couple of months? Look, it's great to be able to um, keep the appointments that are in my diary. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there are visits to churches. um, There are tours of some of our Anglicare sites. Uh, There are some commissionings of uh, various kinds of ministries and schools. Uh, I'm meeting with the chaplains, the prison and hospital chaplains this week. Um, These are, you know, just dear servants of the Lord And it's such a privilege to be able to meet with them, to encourage them in the word and to hear from them about the ministry that they're doing and the way that the Lord is working through their ministries. Uh, And, you know, this is a great privilege. And in a sense, I do this representatively for the diocese to say to people like that, thank you for being there. Keep going. It's so important. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it's
0: a great privilege. And I am looking forward to that very much. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Dominic. My guest on The Pastor's Heart, Kanishka Raffle, the uh, Anglican Archbishop of Sydney. And uh, we will look forward to your company next Tuesday afternoon on The Pastor's Heart.